Okay, run our theme song. That's a great start. Hello, everybody. <laughs> it's fun to be here. Mark's already yawning. I am. This is, uh, can you guess what podcast it is? Are we, are we actually started? Uh-huh. Oh, okay, I'm sorry. I, I guess that was a funny start with the yawn. I thought it was I a thought that was start. pretty funny. Well, it's a real start, so can you it's guess? A, it's a cold open. It's a cold open. Really cold. And there are some clues to what this new podcast could be. But listeners, remember we have to think about the listeners. That's right. So listeners, if you could only close your eyes and visualize, mm -hmm. uh, imagine a film gate. Mm -hmm. um, like a frame. Like a of. frame, like moving fast. Yes. And it has the name of our company in it, Faux, Faux Pop. Pop. And then the film yeah. gate is a clue. Mm -hmm. To the title. Faux Pop Film School. Faux Pop Film School, episode one. This is the inaugural episode of a Faux Pop Film School podcast where we are going to tell the story, the stories of how we made these films mm -hmm. that we make mm -hmm. and eventually tell some of the techniques and strategies that we do. Yeah. First of all, we have to give our our bona fides. We have to let people know why they would trust our... Sure. Why would they trust us? Well, why, yeah. why don't you start us off? I mean, they, I mean, the trust is something to be built, so I get that. But so let's what, what gives us credibility, I yeah. suppose, is the years that we've been doing this. Mm -hmm. We're both men of age, middle age. And if I live to be 104... <laughs> Or something. Right. So, we, which we will, yeah. the way things are going. Well, why don't you introduce yourself and give us sort of like, what's your background? How did you get into this? And then we'll say what our company is, and then we'll say what. That, that makes sense. That sounds yeah. like a good flow. Uh, my name is Mark Hussey. I'm co-owner of Faux Pop Media, along with Randall Lobb here. We started this company. I always say eight years, but I know it's longer than that because it's just it that time flies so fast. Mm -hmm. A number eight. of years ago. And before that, we both were involved in film-ish things yeah. for, for years. I, a bit filmy. I have been doing film-like things. I started off mostly in music, and film was a byproduct of the music, creating stuff for the music. Though I mucked around with video cameras and uh, um, beta cams and all that kind of stuff back as a kid. What was the first thing you remember shooting? where you thought, I am creating something here. Um, when was that? I think the first thing I created where I was editing, using multiple VCRs to edit, mm. was a little short film to a piece of music. And I'm trying to remember the piece of music, but it was around the time where there was a lot of focus on Ethiopia and the children mm -hmm. that were um, in dire need there, just like the, many are still. Mm -hmm. um, and I basically was scarfing a lot of found footage, you know, recording stuff on TV, and I cut together kind of a music video. Do you know how old you were? I don't know. I was probably like 14, 15-ish, roughly. So then what year would that be? That would have been, uh, well, let's go back. It's like 86, 87. Yeah, yeah. mid-80s. I had to tell you. Yeah, I'm not was. good at the math here mm -hmm. tonight. The brain is tired. But you started by kind of remixing, patching remixing, together, patching together. And I, yeah, and I would say that's still something I, that I, 
that I do a lot of is just taking stuff and mm-hmm. forming it into something. That's really going And using to. whatever tools that, you know, I had it at hand. I feel like we're going to talk about that more. Mm-hmm. So you started by kind of back and forth things, some VCRs. As far as editing film mm-hmm. together, like into some form. I mean, beyond that, obviously, I'm shooting stuff. My brothers and sisters and things like that, doing things like shooting a plate, you know, and then they're in the frame, not in the frame, mm-hmm. that, that kind of stuff mm-hmm. where you're, you know, kind of <clears throat> doing really primitive special effects and things like that. And I should say the, the, the video camera we had, you know, luckily for me, my dad was really into techno- technical things. So he had a probably the, one of the very first beta black and white uh, cameras. That the kind of camera you aim it at any light, it would burn in a, mm-hmm. you know, burn a hole. And well, that's like, like a, se- a '70s camera. Yeah, that was an old yeah. camera. So we had cameras right around around that time, which just must be in my blood because I should say my first, not my personal first experience, but my experience in film in my family goes back to my grandfather. That right. if I could, you know, I could show some clips of my grandfather in 1919, 1920, shooting, flying over Paris in we, old airplanes. We could cut that in right we now. We could cut some of that in. you got to do that. It's we worth can. it. And he would come back from his travels, <clears throat> and they would play his films in the local movie house houses. Where did he live? Uh, he lived all over the place. But, like, he might have, let's say he was living in a little town in Saskatchewan, or they traveled. Oh. He might, just to fill you in, my grandfather... Uh, basically followed the oil, so he was an oil driller. So he followed the oil, which took him, obviously, all over North America, but also he spent a lot of time in India and in uh, um, France and Europe and all that kind of so stuff. So he's an adventurer as well. Yeah, and he dressed the part and all that kind of stuff. And she was shooting And footage. shooting film. So I have my grandmother, I have my, my uncle, who's now close to 90, <clears throat> as a baby, you know, video or video film of, right. of them is pretty Shooting cool. one of those old hand yeah. crank cameras. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. So that's, it's in the blood, I guess, is, 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 uh, is, uh, he was making films way back then. But you are, um, if there was going to be a breakdown of our skill sets in our little company here, mm. you're very technical. Yeah. How did that start up? Like, how did you become so, for those people who don't know, which is almost everybody, uh, we're in a, a building right now that we're renting that's just full of gear. And I would say you know how to work almost every piece of gear. And if you don't know, you learn. You teach yourself. Yeah, that's probably true. So there's this thing that happens. If you're going to be in a, in a company, if you're going to try and make movies, somebody has to have absolute uh, gear knowledge and that meticulousness, that ability to take a component or mm-hmm. take some new piece of software or a tool and learn that tool inside and out. Yeah, that's helpful for sure. Yeah. I mean, I mean in, our, in our scenario, it's, it, it is critical because we have intersecting skill sets. <clears throat> you know, that's not necessarily your cup of tea, though you could, I'm sure, in a pinch, uh, I, no. get there and no. edit something or do something. No, you know that I could not do that. <clears throat> You know, but then the flip side of it is is your skill set, which uh, people should know. You well, know, we'll talk about that. We'll, we'll talk about we'll that, but, that. you know, you can talk about yourself. But anyway, the, the beauty of it is that we have this yin and yang. We have this mm-hmm. uh, push and pull, this thing that mm-hmm. works when there's only two of us in a company, which is how it started. Mm-hmm. And there's more people involved now. 
but we still run a fairly tight ship. It's really just mm -hmm. the two of us that kind of put our brains together to become, um, to kind of accomplish, I guess, if it's successful, what people know about our films. We'll get there. Yeah. The people who might listen to this would probably know what we made. Yeah, or yeah. else why would they watch why it? Why would they look at that? <laughs> why would they even care? So you started uh, this gearhead thing early. You would yeah. be able to take things apart. I and... would take things apart, right. literally. <clears throat> like I would take an old radio apart and try to make something else out of it. Mm -hmm. I was that kind of a person who spent, my, spent a lot of time doing stuff like that. That's pretty cool. And figuring it out, like, like you said. I've never been afraid to get my hands dirty and figure something out. I've always said, when someone says, hey, can you do that? I go, yep. <laughs> and then, okay, how do I do that? <laughs> and you didn't go to post-secondary education. You went through I high school? Finished high school, and then really it was because of music that I didn't continue on into post-secondary because we I was in a musical group. Um, it was getting busy, and then just kind of kept carrying on. And, and truth be told, I realized that, okay, I can pretty much learn anything I need to learn. Like, we need to make a music video, we need to make a website, or whatever. So that's how it started. Uh, everything's been out of, out of necessity. Everything I know how to do started with, I can't afford to hire someone to do this. I need to figure out how to do this. And then once you figured out how to do it, it was one more skill you had. So you formed a band, and let's not banty words here. You were in a Christian rock band. I was, yeah, in the 80s. And that's incredible. Special division. And so in that band, you wanted to have some video or you wanted to have some pictorial version of the band. And because you'd always been involved in it as a kid, obviously in music always too, yeah. you said, oh, the, the drive is I'm a musician, but I want to show something yeah, of this band. Yeah, or, I was always interested in visuals and metaphors mm -hmm. and images, you know, not necessarily like you always say, hat on hat, not like that necessarily, but some sort of an image that goes along with the music. Right. And obviously, uh, and that became more uh, pronounced, I would say, in the 90s, mid-90s, when my the rest of my brothers and sisters uh, joined me in the music, or I joined them, I should say. We all joined together, mm -hmm. and we started a band called Silence. And this was right around the time of uh, U2, doing a lot of stuff with televisions and, and screens on stages, and us being big U2 fans, that was definitely an inspiration. Zuropa? Uh, yeah, like Zoo TV, yeah. that era, that time. So this is right around the, the boom of personal computers. Yeah. I'm guessing Amigas, Amiga, Atari. Amiga, Atari, and... uh, Video Toaster, <clears throat> um, that kind of stuff, Lightwave 3D, the, the new tech stuff, and then we bought I used PC, um, which would edit in real time 640 by 380 or whatever it was. It was, anyway, it was standard definition. It would edit in real time. It had, I still have the cards. It'd be cool to actually have them stacked here. Mm -hmm. But, you know, it would fill a whole PC like a tower this big mm -hmm. and it, with a big double. Like two and a half feet high. Yeah, with a big double uh, PCI slot cards to make the whole thing work. And I remember that used, and it was a big deal at the time, it was like $10,000. That's crazy. To buy that unit. And what that enabled us to do was to create and edit videos, render lightwave 3D CGI things and stuff like that, and we started. And again, that's necessity. You really are in a band. You're yeah, doing this yeah. to supplement. <laughs> to supplement the band. And you're with, just so yeah. people know, you played guitar, keyboards, bass, and you sang. Yeah, yeah. So. 
here's a guy who's you know multi-talented, creative, artistic, and involved in a Christian rock band that was gaining some success. Mm-hmm. And you're like, no, 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 I want to scale this up with the visual side. Yeah. yeah. And one of the things that I know this is faux pop film school. We're always trying to show like how it could be done or why it would be done. And you know, by the way, we looked at other film podcasts, kind of giving lessons or whatever. And I, I think there was a hole there that we wanted to fill maybe, right? They didn't I think quite... so. I mean, I think, I think it's maybe interesting to people out there that maybe are very similar to us. I'm sure, I, I bet we're not alone in this kind of story that we're no. going to spin and talk about. Like where out of necessity, you, you, you learn how to do things. I think there's a lot of filmmakers out there today that are wearing multiple hats. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, not so much this is my only job, I'm the sound guy. You know, there's people that that are good at a lot of things um, in, in the production of a film. So I think that this could be encouraging in that way. And I think our hope with this podcast, too, will be to go beyond our story and talk to other people. Yeah, other eventually. Filmmakers yeah. and things like that. Once but. we become really popular yeah, podcasters. Yeah. So, so you, one thing I notice... A, you learn how to do all these things from need. So the need drives the goal of, I got to figure out how to put this on the air or whatever. Yeah. But also, you're a risk taker. You're willing to put your money into the game. Right. That's huge. Well, to me, it was always, if I ever made a little bit of money, it was to take, okay, how can I up my game with a little bit of money <clears throat> so that I have a better camera or a better something that will in turn make me another dollar that I couldn't have made yeah. otherwise. Right? And so you're still like that. I'm still very much yeah. like that. And I try to stretch, you know, um, stretch our gear and our setups and do things like we're doing right now, live yeah. switching a TV show yeah. that if we wanted to hit a button and go live, like that still excites me too. That's the mm-hmm. other part of it. Like it's not just a necessity thing. And I actually really enjoy the challenge of taking something from an idea, like, hey, we need to do this. And like, hey, look, we're doing it. You know, like yeah. actually coming up with a way to do it, usually on a shoestring budget, usually with less than what people think you need to. Right. <laughs> and, that's, and that's part of that thing, that sort of uh, ad hoc or homebrew, yeah. like you always had that. And yeah. just so people know, Mark's from a family of about 10, 9, 10 nine, kids. Nine kids, yeah. I'm the There's probably a 10 that you there just was, can't There were find, a couple others, yeah. Mm-hmm. We don't know where they are. If There's you're a, out there. Yeah, please write please, in. Yeah, please, please write in. So nine kids in the family. You formed a band that was a Christian rock band in the 80s, and then when your brothers and sisters grew up, you're the oldest. Yeah. Several of them got into a band with you, and yeah. again, this AV thing blossomed. We're yeah. making yeah. music, and we're yeah. creating audiovisual, yeah. like at a live show. Yeah. yeah. And, and again, to recap the skill sets, so you were involved in creating the visuals, but you were also good at the live event mm-hmm. stuff, so setting yeah. up PA. So how and, do, and how do we put big screens everywhere mm-hmm. and all that kind of stuff getting old televisions and putting you know yeah. and splitting the signals and figuring it all out with going to radio mm-hmm. shack and soldering things together to make it all work and you also worked in construction which is a yes. nice overlap mm-hmm. there yeah. too yeah yeah so if if there was a way to describe the technical skill set part of it is willing to spend the money mm-hmm. focused to learn how to use the tools yeah. to their max yeah a home brew, like you can patch and hack and build stuff in, you know, yeah. reuse, jerry yeah. rig, yeah. whatever it's called. Yeah. 
And then maybe the other side, which is obvious, is creative and have a vision. Mm -hmm. But under all that is that drive, right? Yeah. That yeah, hunger. for sure, it is. Yeah. It is like like I said, it's the still that excitement of doing it, pulling it off. I wouldn't say doing the impossible, but to some people looking on the outside, mm -hmm. I suppose there's a sense of there's no way you can do that with just that or whatever. Yeah. And I think I like to prove that mindset wrong. That maybe comes, you know, I think I've always been that way, not just in this, but in many things, you know, mm -hmm. it's like, just because you say it can't be done doesn't mean it can't be done. So let's try to prove that wrong. And it was in your family because if we wanted to, we could cut in hundreds of hours of footage that your dad shot <laughs> of you doing everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We could do a whole documentary yeah. if anybody's interested. <laughs> yeah, well, it's, we've talked about it many times. We have times. talked about it. And so, go ahead. Well, I mean, that's a lot about me. No, no, we'll get to me in a minute. Oh, okay. As a movie watcher, <clears throat> do you remember, like, some movies that young affected you or hit you or that you, like, for people that know, know that we make documentaries. Mm -hmm. That's sort of mm -hmm. how we got to be anything that we are. Yeah. And whatever that is. Whatever that but is. were you interested in documentaries or what was the I movie? Would, I don't think so per se. Like I don't think, like I'm not as, uh, you know, we've talked about this before. And when I say worldly, I, I don't have the same, I didn't have this, I didn't grow up with the same dearth of, of music or television or things to watch. Right. So... You know, there's things that I remember, like Star Wars, you know, well, stuff like that. We're that, the right okay, age. Okay, you know, we're the right yeah. age, and those impacted you. Um, yeah. But I can't say as as much as I love film, and I'm the same with music. As much as I love music, I'm probably the wrong guy to sit down and talk at nauseum about films or about music. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I enjoy doing it, but not so much talking about it well, ironically again know. here's this thing you're an active participant in it you're mm -hmm. wanting to get to your own let's make mine. yeah 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 okay so i'll back up for me so, so this that's mark hussey's background it's so the mid 80s i'm doing that and what's randall lobb doing uh well i started randall lobb started when i was in elementary school there was an older kid who i don't even know how i got to know this kid his name was paul and he had super eight cameras mm -hmm or a Super 8 camera. And it was around the time that Fleetwood Mac Rumors came out. Mm -hmm. So what's that, 77, eight, Late something 70s, like that? Yeah. I think I was about grade six, grade five and six. And I was going to this guy's house and he had movies from Expo 67. So he had Super 8 home movies mm -hmm. and we would hit a pool table and we would put the movie camera or the movie projector on the pool table and they had a pull down screen in their basement and we would play the soundtrack was Rumors. Right, so we would right. play yeah. Fleetwood Mac and then watch these silent Super 8 movies. Mm -hmm. And I was, I would describe myself as obsessed. Yeah, yeah. So I would go to this guy's house and I would be desperate to make movies. I wanted to watch all of his mm -hmm. home movies because, that, well, there he is. Yeah, 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 <laughs> and there's yeah, Montreal yeah, in yeah, 1967. Yeah, yeah. And it was fascinating. Mm -hmm. And he would every, you know, however often... He would say, well, let's shoot one. So we buy a cartridge, yeah, stick it in this camera, and we would shoot little movies. So we shot 
you know, time lapse of flowers following the sun or whatever. Mm -hmm. And some of them were just experiments, but then we started to make narratives and get other friends to act in them. And we had our own special effects. Like I jump backwards off this thing and it looks like I'm jumping because right. we yeah. invert. Yeah, you know. yeah, yeah. So we it. were doing all of that mm -hmm. stuff. And then you send it away for, I'm telling you it was months, yeah. but it maybe <laughs> wasn't. And the movie would come back and then we'd edit it by yeah. cutting it up, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. So that process starting that way and i don't remember if we did a lot with miniatures but i remember thinking that miniatures were like it was part of the mindset mm -hmm. was get a little mm -hmm. car and mm -hmm. pull it on a string yeah. you know all yeah. that stuff yeah. and and all of those things came together in star wars right around the same time so mm -hmm. seeing star wars and thinking well that's what we do yeah and then having this realization sort of like you like oh i have stories in my mm -hmm. head mm -hmm. so as a little kid I was uh, probably less engaged in reality than fantasy. I was completely um, trapped in this real world, but riding around in a fake world. So I was reading very young, and I would walk to school reading a book. And anyway, I just had these fantasy worlds that seeing the movie camera, I realized, There's oh, man, yeah. we can get this out. Yeah. So I would always want to have a part in that. Mm -hmm. And as soon as there was video... I was doing the same as you, shooting mm -hmm. everything. But I'm not like you. I'm not technical. So I would always run into a wall. And the wall was the classic <coughs> thing a guy like me would become. Probably women are like this too, but I think guys are like this. They just want to get to the end. Mm -hmm. I just want to be Superman. I don't want to spend the time as Clark Kent. Let's right. just get to the Superman. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I would always get a camera and I would start with big visions and I'd probably start shooting it in sequence and I would get a certain get so far, distance in and I yeah. would run out of gas or the mm -hmm. time would go by and I would start something else new. Mm -hmm. So I'm in school. I'm that kid. I don't learn all the AV skills. What's the reference or the difference for me is I get into the assembly committee mm -hmm. and I start writing assemblies and skits yeah. and putting together these great big shows that I would put on every, I don't even know how, how often. And in high school, that was my biggest yeah. focus yeah. was creating these Producing, assemblies. Yeah. Yeah. And writing that, them. And that, you know, I can speak for people around here are memorable. People remember them. Yeah, they, they probably were, do. You know, I've heard lots of people bring those up. So I was obsessed with getting these shows out and I would always be in them, but I would then want other people to be in them. And I would want to sort of uh, be the MC and the ringmaster and put mm -hmm. these big shows together. And then that transitioned into being in plays and acting in plays. And funny enough, I found that very stressful. I didn't like being in plays. Right. And I didn't want to write plays. I wanted them to be skits and I wanted them to be in and out. And, and again, the technology, I didn't have the skill sets that I needed with the tools. Mm -hmm. I too was in a band, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. I know, yeah. And mm -hmm playing in a band, we wanted video as well and just couldn't seem to find the ways right. to do it. Needed to bump into you. Yeah. And that's part of that theory that I, I would always look for people who are single purpose, single focus and driven. Mm -hmm. And if I could hook up with that person, then that person can help me because I'm always mm -hmm. skimming from thing to thing. Skits, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So that kind of uh, mindset that I would have where you would be good at opening stuff up and building it again or you know, making two things into one new thing, cannibalizing mm -hmm. them, 
my brain would be more like I would remember all the Monty Python skits, every right. Saturday Night yeah. Live skit, yeah. everything in Steve Martin. You know, like yeah. I would, it's content for me. Yeah. And then, so does documentary come into play? Yeah, I was obsessed with World War II. Mm -hmm. So I would watch. Yeah, yeah. You, you did that yeah, too. Yeah, I, I, I can relate to that. Yeah, 100%. And that being, having made movies as a kid, when I would watch World at War or whatever, I would realize that's not the real sound of those tanks. Mm -hmm. They weren't yeah, miking yeah, the yeah, tanks. Yeah, yeah. So I started to think about, oh yeah, post mm -hmm. creating the gunshots mm -hmm. and all that. Mm -hmm. And we're actually seeing footage and yeah. then realizing, oh, they faked some of this. Yeah, Guys yeah. jumping over yeah. holes and trenches and stuff. So just this kind of mind bending vision where you realize you can make all this fake stuff and the awareness of behind the and camera. And the power of it too, right? Oh, oh to, to yeah, move big time. Yourself and other people. And pretty, also ooh. because when you're doing stuff live on a stage, there's the behind the curtain. Mm -hmm. And when you're shooting a movie, there's the behind the curtain. Mm -hmm. And just the awareness of that gives you a different look at movies. Mm -hmm. So for me, movies were, um, even as a little kid, I didn't have the patience to watch movies mm -hmm. unless they were a right. certain kind of movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I'm in. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So other people just sit in those old days and just watch mindless crap on yeah, TV. Yeah. I couldn't do it. Yeah. So I would have to be reading a book, watching TV, listening to Kiss or whatever silly music I liked at the time and having it all run together in my head, which is to me sort of the building a way of thinking about stuff, mm -hmm. right? All these component mm -hmm. yes, pieces sure. and assembling, assembling, yeah, assembling, yeah, yeah, which yeah. comes into play here. So around 1983, 84, I was going to be a truck driver or I was gonna get into film school. Mm -hmm. That's it. Yeah. Like I'm not going to school for anything else. Yeah. I had really high marks in some classes and really low marks in other classes. Mm -hmm. And I applied to York University and I went to film school. Now, this is where you learn how to do everything organically mm -hmm. and build to a point because you have this goal. Right. So I went into film school and I did it all wrong. I have the goal. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I have this huge goal. I want to yeah. do this. Yeah. And so I started writing and I... I just assumed I'm writing and I'm directing and yeah. I'm starring in it yeah. and I have all the plans, but you guys have to help me do this. Yeah, and yeah. the other guys might one. think, no, 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 yeah. I want to write it. Yeah, everybody write. wants to write, direct. So, ding, ding. Whereas people like Tom mm -hmm. Tenisco mm -hmm. had a lot of skill sets that would complement his wanting to write and direct. He mm -hmm. could animate and he draw. He could do both, yeah. Right? I couldn't animate and draw. So anyway, film school for me was an exercise in being not good enough and being okay and not a very disciplined person. Like as a writer, mm -hmm. I would write for a while and then I would lose it. So I would always struggle with that. When I came out of film school, I got in a job. I got into a company right away. I got a job making commercials. I was their first PA hire. Mm -hmm. And you would agree with this. We come from a small town, everybody. Mm -hmm. And in small towns, you do a lot of jobs from a very young age. Mm -hmm. Like you work on farms, yeah. you're baling hay, you're picking yeah, stones. All those things. And whatever, you have a yeah. lot of jobs, yeah. which is probably the best way to prep for film school, or rather, and, your first well, film job. Life, maybe even. Life. Mm -hmm. So my first film job, I went in and they said, so can you drive trucks? I said, oh yeah, I've driven trucks and tractors my whole mm -hmm. life. Mm -hmm. Oh, cool. Uh, can you back up a truck with mirrors? 
Like, well, yeah. <laughs> well, you're the only one <laughs> yeah. <laughs> of the PAs because yeah. the other PAs were city kids and yeah, hadn't experienced yeah, yeah, that. Yeah. Not any fault of theirs. So I came in from a grunt work job, right? Mm-hmm. And because I had a lot of shooting that I had done, I also had experience as a director. And how does that help you when you're making commercials? You weasel over with the directors and then you become the director's boy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there were yeah, three or four yeah. directors and I was like their boy, you know. Hey, yeah. do you want to come to my house on Friday night? We're going to shoot some models holding shotguns right. and they're like, topless. Do you uh, want to be there? Yeah. Yeah, yeah actually, yeah, I think sounds, I do. Sounds good. Yeah. I want to be there. By the way, that's exact. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's what we did. So they're topless holding shotguns and, and I was kind of a model wrangler. Mm-hmm. Then I was a funny guy, and I didn't make the models feel like I was skeevy and creepy. So mm-hmm. I worked with a lot of models and, and learning how to work with people under yeah. conditions. And yeah, yeah. soon realized this director doesn't work with people very nicely. Right. Mm-hmm. Great at mastering yeah. shots. Yeah. Yeah. You know, genius yeah. shots yeah. that people don't like. Yeah. So seeing that and realizing, ah, as a director, you really have to get in the heads of these, mm-hmm. in this case, teenage girls that you want them to take their shirts off and hold these guns. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I would watch the way he did it and I would think, that's not working. Yeah. They're yeah. uncomfortable. Nobody's happy. Yeah. This is creepy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and so I just didn't, I didn't learn how to make them take their shirts off, which, you know, at the time I would have loved to have learned that skill. But what I learned was how to get them to want to do stuff that I was doing. Mm-hmm and how to get them to care about the stupid things I cared about. And then I became really skilled, in my own estimation, which is probably, I'm fooling myself, in managing too many things. Mm -hmm. Because if you're in a certain position and the director's going, do this, and the producer's saying, do that, and the client from Kentucky Fried Chicken is saying, do this, and the model is going, do that. And then just picking just enough from everybody to make everybody feel like it's, oh, okay, I got a little bit of what I wanted. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of a mediation, yeah. Like, be, like, like finding a peacemaker in a way too, yeah. Which you're good at. Anyway, so that takes me right up into like '88. That's when I fell off my bike, hit mm-hmm. my head, got amnesia, and mm-hmm. I couldn't work in that world anymore. Mm-hmm. So right around '88, '89, I go to films or I go to teachers' college, and I think uh, I couldn't do the work on set. I had that syndrome or whatever, post-concussion syndrome where you're really tired and mm-hmm. had some problems. And it took me a few years to get those ironed out. But I thought, I'll just write my way in. Right. And I taught myself how to be disciplined because yeah. I had no option because I was a grown-up by now, getting a job and stuff. And I started writing. So I totally got rid of the idea of tech. Mm-hmm. There was no chance yeah. that I was going to be yeah. technical. And I worked for other people, helping them achieve their visions. So I would write freelance for a magazine. Books are everything. I wrote freelance for a magazine, Toronto Shift magazine. And as part of my freelancing, I started to get into fan communities. Mm -hmm. And this is right around the time when the internet's starting, if you remember, 92. Yeah, Yeah. game changer. And you realize, oh my God. Yeah. The first thing that hit me about the internet is before it was visual, it was, do you remember links? Mm-hmm. And you go in these yeah. kind of, you had to know code, Chats. Unix and chat yeah. and stuff. Mm-hmm. And it was seeing Usenet and their fans structured. Yeah. And so I remember seeing the Kennedy assassination people. Oh yeah. my God. So remember, yeah. if we back up with me, I'm obsessed with all these stupid little money, Python, this and that. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, all that fan stuff explodes. And do you remember mm-hmm. bulletin board systems? Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, the BBSs. The BBSs, and, yeah. and they were assembled the same way, weren't yeah, they? Yeah. They're these by interest. Yeah. So people like you, you could get in there and start. I know mm. you worked with Mark Steffen, yeah, didn't you? Yeah. Yeah. Or yeah, I mean, he was in the same town, so yeah, I was on his BBS and. Right. So I was on it at the same time. Yeah. And that kid, Stefan, he was a really smart guy, mm -hmm. and he was in creating a little technical world. We're from a very small community. Yeah, very small towns. And there was a lot of tech stuff happening there. Yeah. And you yeah. could get in early and have really interesting experiences with other people yeah. in a technical environment. Yeah. And I immediately saw how that would interface with entertainment yeah. and education. Yeah. And yeah. started trying to lean into that. Yeah, for sure. And a company that I started messing around with was called Core Digital Pictures in Toronto. And they were building special effects for mm -hmm. William Shatner's tech wars and mm -hmm. stuff. Mm -hmm. So anyway, that was a long chunk on me. Eventually, what basically, for those of you at home wondering what we're getting to, Mark's technical expertise and his self-learned way of compiling enormous amounts of information that he drives to his goal mm -hmm. kind of put you in a position where you had all this material and all this stuff, but you maybe weren't such a big fan of things and mm -hmm. you didn't have that yeah. Yeah. I, look yeah, of the world. 100%. I, I, pre I appreciate all those things, but it's, I'm almost like a sieve. It's like my brain can only do the thing you just described, focus in on all that stuff. Yeah. I don't have room for all the, like, you know, it's a, it's a joke around here, even me remembering people's names and stuff. Yes. Like, it's for real. Like, yes. That's a for real thing, you know, where you retain all of these names, Seem to information. Hold all the stupid you know, things. And it's not because it's just trivial to you either. You're actually interested in well, it. It's, uh, you know, and it helps you, like what I appreciate, it helps you um, relate with people. Yeah. You're always able to... To go into a conversation, relate with somebody, and not fake it. Like you know what I mean? Like actually, mm -hmm. actually be able to have a good, good build a good rapport with somebody to make them feel comfortable, which is what I think anybody that's seen our any of our documentaries and films, uh, I think is something that stands out. Is the is your skill set? Well, I'm not going to say that, but. My skill set's meaningless without. Well, no, no, I, I realize that, but it's, but it's, but it's, but it's so. a, again back to the yin and yang. Like without someone like me to take that and put yeah. it there, it's useless. You right. know what I mean? And without right. me having content to manipulate, I'm useless. My pipeline means nothing. It has so, no purpose. So our first lesson, we talked a lot about our background. We haven't even talked about meeting and forming faux pop media or anything like that. Mm -hmm. We haven't talked about making Turtle Power, which was our first big movie. Yeah. Uh, but for those of you that wonder, uh, what is the film school part of this today? I think here's what it is, is you want to find the, the people that have the complementary skills mm -hmm. so that you don't get caught short. Like yeah. if, it was, yeah. if we were both like me, we're not getting anywhere. No. If we're we were just, both like you, yeah. We'll get further, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I but suppose we but, might but, lack something, or or we might always be butting heads instead of, in well, uh, in a negative way as opposed to a creative right. way. You know what I mean? Like I think there's what it is with that makes it work for us, and and part of this comes from the way I grew up and working with my brothers as well, like in music and all of that. You get used to a certain kind of transparency. And lack of caring of emotion and ego and ego all that kind of point. stuff, right? Right. Where when we met, and maybe we're saving this for episode two, 
Uh, yeah, that's episode two. So, you know, when we met each other, I'll speak for myself as a, as a little bit of a teaser, it was like a breath of fresh air or finding somebody, though we're very different, very much mm-hmm. like me, mm-hmm. that I knew immediately I could well, you did. work with. <laughs> yeah. And that, we'll just leave it at that. So what, what I guess all that background material is to show is there are these built-in value structures if you're going to be a filmmaker, it mm-hmm. is my estimation that you are literally having to create a teamwork structure that is so um, baked together. Like mm-hmm. literally, if you're butting heads with people on your crew, if you can't find where that person's sentence comes into your sentence mm-hmm. and it's one big beautiful story, mm-hmm. you're going to struggle. Yeah, yeah. So, with the case of Mark and I, you can see it's that the great technical knowledge and that self-learning and this ability to jury-rig all this material together. And with me, it's this ability to kind of <laughs> manipulate people or work with people in a way that I'm not working against them, I'm bringing them together. And I have this wide knowledge mm-hmm. and these deep interests that I need to find a way to help get out. Yeah, and what you, something you said earlier about yourself, which fits into that, is you have a goal in mind, even yeah. though you're not necessarily um, showing people what the goal is. Here it is on paper. You know yeah. what I mean? Like it's there. Yes. And it's a long play. And if that's something, that's probably something that's that we have in common is it's always towards a goal and it's a long play to get to a right. certain point and whatever it takes to get there um, is acceptable. Is acceptable. So <laughs> that is in fact the takeaway. The takeaway yeah. is mm-hmm. I have to know when I say, okay, you're right. Yeah. And I have to be able to do that with no ego and, vice versa, yeah. and, and no, uh, I can't argue and say, you know what, I don't think that's the camera for us. Or whatever technical thing that you've decided, I have to absolutely allow you to take the lead there without me interfering from an ego position. And vice versa. And as you're saying that, I'm realizing that, you know, we we talked earlier in the podcast about people learning to trust us. What we're talking about really is a level of trust, you know, with each other. And again, back, lack of ego too, to be able to be vulnerable with each other as teammates. You know yeah, what I mean? to say what to, you don't know. Yeah, like yeah. to be, <laughs> I don't have to prove anything to no. you, you know, because you recognize my value, vice versa. Yeah. You know, and that makes for a good team. And I'm going to have to say it's actually vice versa. Oh, I always do that. <laughs> I, know, I always I do that. That's, we a, have, that's one of those things. Here's one of those things. Drinking game, guys. I have all the words. <laughs> and he has all the ideas for the words. Yeah. But he mixes up the words. That's, I do. Some form of... Di- Dyslexia, I suppose. All, uh, yeah, well, it's, I don't know if it is. I don't know. I mean. So if, if I was going to say to other people from the basic root of building whatever, you can't make a movie by yourself. No. You can try. So, yeah. And some, probably some somebody's have, doing some it have, right now. Yeah. And they're probably doing a great job. Mm-hmm. But in my estimation, you have to find people with whom you can be transparent, mm-hmm. where the fingers fit in the glove in the right places. Yeah. And you're willing to let go. Yeah. Remember, I told let you in go. film school, mm-hmm. I wanted to find those people to mm-hmm. do, mm-hmm. and those people wanted to do what I wanted to do. Right. <laughs> so, so it wasn't we have a problem. Like, yeah. <laughs> or it, it, maybe it wasn't a problem because we didn't fight per se. But you know what I mean? It's difficult to come together and find that the drive that you need when you are 
protecting mm-hmm. something or yeah and part know? of that's the age to you know yeah. that that being uh, you know you're i mean you're going through school to try to become the whatever steven spielberg well we all want to be steven Luke, spielberg so, you know what I there's mean? So, nobody so there's this thing yeah. everybody's vying and climbing this ladder but kind of thing if i was going to jump back there is something else that's interesting about the kind of the root drive for some kinds of filmmakers you and i are both the kind of filmmakers that very much imagine and uh, uh, picture an audience and mm-hmm. that we want them to enjoy something. Mm-hmm. We're not mm-hmm. artists who, yeah, you're true. not writing songs that are challenging and troubling that make people go, oh, oh, I can't yeah, listen yeah, to that. Yeah, you want people yeah. to react emotionally and mm-hmm. feel. For sure. Yeah. And I want the same thing. Yeah, yeah, so I yeah. was a kid in film school and making movies or making plays or whatever where I'm watching the audience and imagining their reaction. So mm-hmm. I'm building mm-hmm. products. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I, yes. And when you're building products, it's different from some kinds of artists mm-hmm. who are, this is my vision, yeah. and that's good mm-hmm. enough. If you like it, great. If you don't like it, fine. Mm-hmm. I want it to be Yeah, you appealing. want many people to get the point or to be mm-hmm. challenged. If there's a challenge in it, to be challenged. Or if it's just pure pleasure entertainment, yeah. to be entertained. Yeah. And it's a good thing that we both have that yeah, as well. Yeah, that's true. So, again... Remember, the idea here is we're going to talk about ourselves, and that could be offensive. But the point that we're getting at is we lucked, lucked into a situation that, here at near the end of this episode, what is it that we did that made it so that you would want to listen to us? Mm-hmm. Well, in 2008-9, we started a, a movie mm-hmm. called Turtle Power, The Definitive History of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles working with someone else, Isaac Elliott Fisher, who's the third part of that team that worked on that movie. Mm-hmm. And that movie by 19, or 19, by 1972, yeah. by 2014, <laughs> Paramount released that. Mm-hmm. And we had sold it to them. And then we immediately started into Conan the Barbarian, He-Man, and Shenmue, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Other ones, yeah. So basically what happened is we figured it out a way of mm-hmm. doing something that worked and we made sales and it was a very successful documentary that first one and although we haven't been very quick getting the next one out we have put out a lot of material that's right in general and we've learned a lot and we know some things that worked for us and we want to share them with other people we other do, filmmakers yeah. or other fans mm-hmm. and aficionados and people who are enthusiastic and have an artistic streak and just want to figure out how do I tap parts of my character mm-hmm. and things that I love and figure out a way to get that out there. Yeah, I like what you said. Figure out a way to get it out there. Us telling some of our story, because some people just think, oh, they must have had this or must have had that. Just like a lot of people think about a lot of things when they see quote-unquote success. You know, they'll yeah. chalk it up to, well, they had the good camera. They, you know, yeah. <laughs> well, maybe we didn't, maybe, you know. But yeah, that we didn't let that stop us. And I guess if there's an inspirational bent to that or an, an exhorting bent to this whole conversation is, I know you wouldn't want to say it this way, like anybody can do anything. Cause it's I not, never want to it's, say Because it's not really <laughs> true. But it is true in the sense that if you have what Rand talked about, the, a goal, a desire, and, you, and maybe, you know, you who's listening to this podcast, you have a piece of the puzzle and there's some other person out there that has another piece of the puzzle and maybe that's all you're missing, not, hey, if I only had that new camera that's or this right. light or whatever. Um, you know, if you have a good idea and you have a goal, you can actually reach it. You should. Yeah. <laughs> so 
we want to be wrapping this up soon, about yeah, five, about, ten minutes, yeah. but just so everybody knows, we're going to do this every so often. We're going to tell the stories mm. of how we made turtle power, which is interesting. If you're a turtle yeah. fan, you're you'll really like this. Mm -hmm. If you're a movie maker yourself, you'll really like this. Mm -hmm. If you're a fan of Conan the Barbarian, of the, the Masters of the Universe franchise, if you're a fan of Shenmue, any of the franchises that we're going into next, which could be Transformers or who knows where we end up. But what we'd like to do is we'd like to tell our story in a way that reveals maybe some of the code. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's not a secret code, but no. yeah. the code that we figured out that allowed us to get material out there that became successful. Somebody mm -hmm. at Paramount said to me, uh, not in a nice way, <laughs> said, this will never happen again. Right. What you've done with this documentary is unparalleled. And they didn't mm -hmm. say it in a flattering way. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. They said it, don't expect that you're going to have the same, this, the yeah. same form of success mm -hmm. and that you're going to get a chance to do it again working with someone else's IP. Mm -hmm. And I'm happy to tell you that they were wrong. Mm -hmm. uh, there is a way to do it. There, there is a way to do it. There is a way. But I, I, I think it's important what you said and to spin it another way. You know, a lot of people gravitate to podcasts like this or the like thinking if I can just do what they did, then mm -hmm. I can have the same success. And I think the underlying thing is there, there's a code or, or a way, mm -hmm. but it's always different. You know what I yeah. mean? It's a shape-shifting thing. And the key isn't to emulate and do what we do, but to take the principles. The, yeah, the, the that's why I say the, the code. But yeah, The code would be... If there's a code to anything like this, it's identifying aspects of yourself mm -hmm. that you lean into mm -hmm. and apply those to something that you're passionate about, that yeah. you care yeah. about, yeah. and in yeah. a certain way. Yeah. And yeah. what, yeah. hopefully, as you listen to this series, you're entertained by the story, mm -hmm. you hear enough uh, potentially usable, uh, I don't know, information to apply to yourself, mm -hmm and to your passion, and maybe you can come up with a product that uh, has enough bones to it that it turns into a life form and walks off like ours did. Yeah, man. So I would like that every time we do this, we end by, we summarize the lesson, and we kind of did that. Mm -hmm. What we did is we took the things we'd always loved mm -hmm. and that we'd always done, mm -hmm. and we started to bend them into a form together, working together and bringing in other people who had skill sets that we needed, bend them into a form by realizing things mm -hmm. about ourselves. Mm -hmm. Wouldn't you say that's key? I, I, absolutely key. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely if, key. If we didn't know who we were and what we could do and what we yeah. were able to do, we would never be able to get our shit together to make a movie. Mm -hmm. So to me, that's the lesson of step one. Look at your past and think about it. What kind of person am I? What, what am I good at? Mm -hmm. And not just what can I do, but what do I really dig into naturally? What is it that drives yeah. me? Yeah. And if I'm a little kid walking to school reading, you know, a Hardy Boys detective handbook, that's the same thing yes. in a way that it I'm is. doing now. Yeah. And as you're saying that, you know, I'm thinking of how many years, you know, the mid-80s to... 2000 and whatever. Don't, don't do that. All right. No, no, but the reason I do that is that is what you just said. It's you're the same person. It's kind of like well, a self-realization type thing and that the time between 
I'll always say this, isn't as relevant or as concerning as somebody listening to this podcast might think it might be. I'll say, yeah, because we're old. We didn't get any success till we no, were No, no, but I, I, th I think that what I'm getting at is all of that is building towards the this, whatever the this is. Yeah. I mean, God, I hope it happens for you, whoever's listening when you're 25 or 30, but don't think any of this is wasted time, whatever no. it is you're struggling through right no. now or doing right now. But I will argue this. I don't think that we're the same people we were when we were kids, but no. I think that we're, we're powered by a lot of the same motors. Yes. So as we shift, yeah. if yeah. you go back and look at 22, 23-year-old us, in a way, we're floundering, even yeah. if we're doing it well, because yeah. we don't yeah. know For how sure. do we get these things on the right mm -hmm. line or lane or whatever, and how do we push them together? Yeah. And you know, one of the things that people will learn as we go through this series is they'll learn that if we're good at anything, it's understanding our limitations, mm -hmm. trying to fix them, mm -hmm. and openly realizing what they are without hiding from ourselves and from the negatives that we might run into, yeah. which allows you then to find your strengths and lean into them. And, and without being arrogant, mm -hmm. you can say those strengths to other people. For sure. And you're coming yeah. from a true place yeah, it, because you're yeah. willing to admit the, the dark Agreed. part. Agreed. Yes. Yeah. So I this... look forward to listening to that podcast. <laughs> I think it's going to be good. I think we've hit about 50 minutes and we would like to keep most of these under an hour. I'm sure that mm -hmm. we might get to some longer ones once we start getting into mm -hmm. the stories. And, you know, if there's people out there that have stories and things, please yeah. feel free to send them into submissions at fopop.com to that email address. Mm -hmm. Send us your stories, your thoughts. You know, the, we might need to hear some I'm, of your comments. I'm going to say this. If you're a Turtle fan... If you're a He-Man, Masters of the Universe fan, if you're a Conan fan, mm -hmm. if you're a Shenmue fan, if you're a fan of any big IP, any of those great stories, mm -hmm. know that eventually we're going to talk about the thing that you love. We're going to tell some interesting stories from behind the scenes. Mm -hmm. And if you can bear to listen to us ramble around yeah. and talk about how we got there, I think you'll find stuff that's really interesting to you. Mm -hmm. And better than that, you'll find out what's in the documentary that you might be waiting for. Yep. You know, if yep. you're a Conan fan. That's right. Yeah. 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 <laughs> you Especially know, for the ones we're working on. You know that we yeah. started in November, October, November of 2014. Where's that documentary? That story will come out. Yeah. If you're a He-Man fan and you put money into our Kickstarter, we'll explain things that will allow you to A, mm -hmm. know us, B, mm -hmm. trust us, and C, mm -hmm. get ready for the project when it finally will be released. Because yeah. you'll hear a lot of really interesting behind the scenes elements about how it was made. It's going to be great. Looking forward to it. All right. Well, I'm Randall Lobb. I'm Mark Hussey. And we'll see you next time on Faux Pop Film School.